Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, we'll talk calmly about some things in Scripture and ask you to go to God and talk to Him about your thoughts and go to the Scriptures themselves and see what they say. I come to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. If somehow, some way, these podcasts can send our minds where they belong, we will have been successful. We don't ask for money. We don't ask for anything for these. We just trust that God would use some of the things that are said in some lives around the world. So we encourage you to share this site with others that might be able to find it helpful. Today I was thinking about where I get my strength, what strength is, and what I can think about strength in this world. Maybe I'm thinking about it because I'm getting older. And just between you and me, I'm not quite as strong as I used to be. I used to play football in college and hockey. and I used to break horses when I was in college and high school. I used to be somebody who had a lot of physical strength and ability. But as I've gotten older, I just don't seem to have that strength anymore. But it seems like I'm stronger in some ways even though I'm physically weaker in others. If you read Psalm chapter 84, verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are on the highways to Zion. Blessed, happy, happy are those whose strength is in you. What does it look like to have strength in God? Because those who actually get their strength from God They can't be foiled. There is no stronger strength in the universe, if I could say it that way. There's nobody that can outdo God. There's nobody that can outthink him, outmaneuver him, outtalk him. There's nobody that can outbattle him. If I just get my strength from him, then I'm at the top of the chart. There are other verses in the Bible that speak of strength. Psalm 28, 7 and 8. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. In Isaiah 45:24 it says, Only in the Lord it shall be said of me our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In Zechariah 10, verse 12, it says, I will make them strong in the Lord, and they shall walk in his name, declares the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When I think of strong, I think of strength, I think of God. And as I have his strength, I'm able to go through anything in this world. Because he is the definition of strength. As you know, I like 
B. Raymond Edmond, and I was reading a chapter in his book, The Delights of Life, which you might be able to get a copy of this online. I don't believe it's published anymore. The one I'm reading was copyrighted in 1954, and it was produced by the Van Campen Press in Wheaton, Illinois, and I'm not sure they exist anymore. But the chapter on page 123 that starts dependence says this, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, Psalm 84.5. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Philippians 4.13 was Oliver Cromwell's favorite text. Let me read to you right from Wikipedia, which is a totally reliable source, I'm sure, uh, about Oliver Cromwell. It says, Oliver Cromwell, April 25th, 1599 to September 3rd, 1658, was an English statesman, politician, and soldier, widely regarded as one of the most important figures in the history of the British Isles. Edmund says this about him. By every human standard, Cromwell was a man of stamina, with strength of convictions, and with the courage needed for desperate days. He made no profession of being skilled in statecraft, military science, or diplomacy, and felt inwardly entirely inadequate for the responsibilities thrust upon him. And yet, by the strength promised in the scriptures, he was able to prosecute the cause of the commonwealth against the royalists. He guided England through a difficult period of storm and stress, and with his roundheads tumbled the divine right of kings into the dust it deserved. With dangers and desperate situations in public life, and with deep personal sorrows within his own household, Cromwell was enabled by strength from above to complete his task. His critics contemptuously contended that he committed every military blunder in the books. But he never lost a battle. He was strengthened by the Lord of battles. The 84th Psalm is one of the happiest portions of God's Word. I want to read that psalm to you, if I may. The 84th Psalm. To the choir master, according to Gideoth, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy for the living God. Even the sparrows find a home, and they swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God then dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. 
No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts you. Let me read the 12th verse again. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts you. V. Raymond Edmund goes on to say the 84th Psalm is one of the happiest portions of God's word. When the Moravian brethren were in sore distress, they chose it as their personal possession. Upon fleeing from bitter and pitiless persecution in their homeland of Bohemia and Moravia, they settled on the estate of the earnest and godly German Count von Zinzerdorf. Out of the forest, they carved a new home for themselves, calling it Heronut, the tent of the Lord. And on the cornerstone of the first building, they inscribed with joy Psalm 84.3. The oppressed and the disposed had found the Lord to be their strong tower of refuge. Three times in this rather brief psalm is the term blessed used, verses 4, 5, and 12. Out of longing for the courts of the Lord and in deep desire for strength to be used in God's service, the psalmist learned what Nehemiah afterwards declared. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's in Nehemiah 8, 10. Let me read Nehemiah 8, 1 to 10, so we can have the context of that. Nehemiah 8, Ezra reads the law. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattiah, Shemaiah, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his far right, and Padiah, Mishaliah, Melchiadah, Hesham, Hezbiadah, Zechariah, and Meshalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, 
for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Now I encourage you to read that chapter on your own, because this second list of names I skipped, because I'm not sure I know how to pronounce all those. But I didn't skip anything that's overly important as far as the principles go in God's Word. So you can go back to Nehemiah 8 and read it and include all those names if you'd like to. My point is very simple. There is a verse there that we focused on in context that basically talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength. If I were to ask you what your strength was, what would you say? Would it be the joy of the Lord? Would it be the idea that? You're in God's family and you're enjoying him today. If your joy is tied to something temporal, then your joy can be taken away from you. But the joy of the Lord cannot be taken away from us. V. Raymond Edmund goes on to say, It must be the Lord's strength, not ours. For strength that is of our own can prove to be our undoing. When King Asa was young and inexperienced and beset by a vast host of Ethiopians, He won a great victory because, in his weakness, he prayed, Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. 2 Chronicles 14.11 Years later, when he was strong and again in danger of invasion from abroad, he relied upon the king of Syria rather than upon the Lord, to his own undoing. Let me read 2 Chronicles 16 to put that in context for us. 2 Chronicles 16, Asa's last years. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord in the king's house, and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who was living in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to king Asa and sent his commanders of his army against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Jorn, Dan, Abel, Ma'am, and the store cities of Naphtali. And when Basha heard it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. The king of Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timbers, with which Basha had been building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanai, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria, and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. 
For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. The acts of Asa, from first to last, are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the forty-first year of his reign. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a briar that had been filled with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire in his honor. There's a man that could have died a great victor, but died sad. Kind of like how Saul left the earth in battle, a loser because he just didn't listen to God till the very end. As I get older, I keep seeing warnings in the scripture that I need to trust in my Heavenly Father all the way to the end of my life. It's not time now in my life to start looking towards other things to trust, but to trust in God alone, for that is where our strength comes from. This was Second Chronicles 16. Let me continue to read what V. Raymond Edmund has said. When King Uzziah was young and from a military point of view relatively weak, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Second Chronicles 26.5 His biography in the Bible, however, continues, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Second Chronicles 26.16 Asa and Uzziah should have remembered Samuel's reminder to Saul, the first king of Israel. When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. 1 Samuel 15.17 When Saul was strong, he went in his own way, the broad way that leads to destruction. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, sings the psalmist. He is happy inwardly and outwardly, because irrespective of life's circumstances, he has found the Most High to be the source of stamina and steadiness. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. He had declared, for he understood with Moses, that the Lord had been our dwelling place in all generations. Psalm 91. Let me read Psalm 90 to keep this in perspective. It's a prayer of Moses from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, 
or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as a flood like they are a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Edmund goes on to say, The same wonderful truth is covering of God's wing over his own which makes their shelter complete, is taught in the familiar 91st Psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Because Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, Thy habitation, there shall no evil befall Thee, neither shall any plague come nigh unto thy dwelling. In himself, Moses was a man of strong character and courage until he fled from Egypt. But in the long years of exile in the desert of Sinai, he learned to make God his dwelling place, so that, despite inward fears and trepidation, he could face the scorn and the wrath of Pharaoh and the complaining and failures of his people in the long wilderness journeys always knowing the Lord's promise. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Exodus thirty-three fourteen. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven. Moses taught at the very end of his long years of service, and he concluded his words to his people, saying, Happy are thou. O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, save the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency? Deuteronomy 33.29 Happy is the one who has learned to dwell deep in God, and to find therein his shelter and his strength. Happy is the one in whose heart are the ways of them. The translators had difficulty with that expression, although the appearance, it seemed to make sense to them. Removing the words and italics which have been added, and which in this case confused the sense, we read, in whose heart are the ways. In whose heart are the ways. 
A parallel passage found in Psalm 103.7 says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The scriptures differentiate between God's ways and his acts. The latter constitute the outward manifestation of his working in behalf of his people. The path through the Red Sea, manna day by day, water from a flinty rock, and the victories over the king of the Amorites and the king of Bashan. God's ways are his characteristics, his way of doing things rather than actual deed itself. The Israelites could have seen the outward manifestation of God's power and providence, but Moses, to whom the Lord spake face to face as a man speaks to a friend, learned to know what was like God and what was unlike him. Down the centuries, the patriarchs and the prophets of old and the apostles set abroad by our Lord as well as deeply taught, spiritually minded men and women of all ages have come to some understanding of the ways of God. They need not see some outward manifestation of power in order to believe that God is present and is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they ever ask or think. Like Elijah at Kareth, they have trusted the Most High for his provision in circumstances that were entirely unbelievable. Like Habakkuk, they have been willing to stand upon the watchtower to see what God would do in the days that were filled with dilemma and danger with the disciples. They have lifted up their voice to God in one accord and said, Behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the Holy Child Jesus. Acts 4, 24, 29, and 30. With the result that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts 4.31 As we started our time together, I was talking about the Raymond Edmonds' thoughts on the idea of our weakness becoming God's strength. Psalm 84.5 Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. As V. Raymond Edmonds puts it, that, that is it. Out of our weakness we're made strong. And in behalf of God's people in all ages, the psalmist sings in triumph, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. So often we look for ways to stay strong when we can't. Our bodies will fail us. Our finances will fail us. Our friends will fail us. Our churches will even fail us. But God will never fail us. As we align our lives with God's word, we're going to be in a position of strength, purpose, hope, not despair, not anxiousness. My life verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We really are about God's work, not our work. And if it's God's work, we need to be dependent upon God's resources, God's strength, God's word. As we do that, we're strong because we're relying on his strength. We're relying on his provision, not on our own. 
then we become the people who represent the king. We get to enjoy his victories, not ours. We get to position ourselves to be in the front row of the greatness of Almighty God and rejoice with him as he transforms lives using those of us who are totally inadequate to transform lives. It's a thrill to be in on something that's a lot bigger than we are. And every time you do God's work, it's bigger than you are because it's dependent upon God and not upon you. We are strong when we are weak if we depend on God and our proximity is right next to Him. Well, I encourage you to spend time with God, spend time in His Word. Spend time journaling and writing down your thoughts. Examine what you believe in light of Scripture. See if it's true. God loves you, and He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you great hope and great purpose. He's never moved away from you, so if you feel distant, it's because you've moved away from Him. Well, once again, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Good night for now. <laughs>